0: Welcome to On Living, The Trauma and Beauty of Being Human with Dr. Leanne Nguyen. Have you ever asked yourself what it means to be human? What does it mean to be fully alive? What does it take to love, to really connect with another human being? How do we fully engage with and honor the humanity in us? It's time to really talk, listen to, and connect with one another. Come join in the conversation with your host, Dr. Leanne
1: Nguyen. Good morning, everyone. This is Leanne Nguyen speaking to you from New York City. Welcome to the show. Um, you know, every Thursday, every week, I am always uh, so grateful and, and curious, a little bit puzzled about finding you on uh, tuning into the show. <laughs> I, um, I, I ask six odd months ago, you know, I asked this question on the air, and I really, uh, I don't think that we have really come to a definite answer yet about what it means to be human, but um, you are tuning in, which means to me that you are engaging with me in the question, which is really my, my ambition. So, let's continue to engage in that question today. Now, today is um, November 8th, a couple of days after the midterm election. In the U.S., you know, right now the airways and media are still saturated with conversations about what this election returns mean for the future of this country. Um, so many conversations about what the Republicans are going to do to maximize their Senate to majority, what the Democrats are going to do with their newfound control of the House, et cetera, et cetera. You know, questions such as, what are we going to do with each other in this country, in this time? What are we going to do uh, with the political circumstances that we are given? What is the most important agenda to devote our resources to for the next few years? How do we want to shape this country, this life, um, this life in this nation with the limitations and the capital that we possess? Um, Now, these questions at this midterm election season, you know, which almost everyone has said is the most consequential election, these questions I would say apply to our private individual existence as well. At least that is my perspective on this show and in my work and my urging to you all. The questions of what are we doing with each other, for each other, to each other in our life? What do you do with the life that you are given? What is important to us humans? In this brief, wonderful, terrifying life that we have on Earth, what is the want, the fear that makes us who we are, that makes us human? So these are the questions that preoccupy me and, and questions that I bring into this radio show. Now, even though I do not always make them explicit These questions form the lining of the conversations that I have been having with you and with my guests because, you know, I think that I really believe that the questions that you pose determine and shape the life that you live. Ask deep questions and you will find depth. Ask small, fear-driven questions and you will get captured by greed and hate and envy Ask big questions and the vista of your mind, of your heart, of your psyche opens up because the questions that you follow in your life contain a kernel of desire, of longing, of ambition or fear. There is a quest I've been saying on this show. There is a quest inherent in every question. Ask the right question and set yourself on the right quest in this life, in your life. Because each life is determined by the question that the person embraces for herself. Each radio show, each offering that you find out there in the world, in the media, on the air, is set by the question that the host holds as important or valuable to ask. So the question that I pose on this show is, what is important for us humans to pursue? What is essential to our survival? as humans, what is important for us to do for and to with each other? So that is what I want to ask you, and that is what I'm asking my guests for the remainder of of the season. The answers to the questions are particular, you know, to each person, to each guest, and the answer to this question shapes, though, how we each choose to live and to work. I do not presume to, to be prescriptive in the answer, Uh, to you know what is important to us but I, I, I hope that you do not expect that this show will give you the answer but I do aim though for the conversations here in this hour to serve as a reminder or an inspiration to you to ask yourselves that question every day what is important to me to remain human? What is important for me to do for and with another human being in order to ensure my growth and survival? So today, I have my guest, um, Ada Haslocker. She is a very seasoned divorce mediator, which means that she sees people at... um, a particular point in their lives where things are collapsing and the foundation of of their family structure of their lives is being undone. She catches people then at at a time when there is so much hurt and anger and fear and she catches them uh, when they stumble around, I think, with frightening questions about themselves and their future. So I want to have this hour with Ada because I want to know what she sees are the longings and fears when people uh, walk into her office and try to go through the wrenching crisis of, of going through a divorce. And I want to know what she sees um, as their effort to stay connected to each other through this private warfare that is divorce, or not stay connected to each other. And uh, most of all... Um, I want to know how Ada sees her role, her place, you know, in 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 this life, uh, in her interactions or work with people. I really want to ask Ada the question of, you know, what is important to you? What are you trying to do through your work um in this whole project of of being alive, of being human. So, small question. Good morning, Ada. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Beautiful what do you think?
1: introduction. <laughs> So, well, you know, did I when when I was uh, talking about what you see when people walk through the door to your office, did I capture it? You know, there is so much stumbling around, right? And fear and hurt. Tell me, what what do you what do you see when they walk through the door?
2: Okay, great question. So, first of all, let me apologize for my voice this morning. I'm getting over a little bronchial virus, so I'm a little scratchy, so I just want to start off by saying that. Okay. Um, It's such an interesting way of parsing things in terms of thinking about our humanity, because as you know, I also train potential mediators how to do this divorce and family work, And while we train mediators in all the skills and the techniques and all the things that they need to know about what we need to do in order to help couples get this work done, one of the things that I always say to the class is that we walk into the room as a human being first. Mm Mm-hmm. We don't walk in as a mean? divorce mediator first. Right. Well, we don't walk in as a, as a woman, as a man, as a, as a mediator, as a, another type of professional, um, as a mother, as a daughter, as whatever. We walk in, we're human beings and we are all on this planet together helping each other. I, I that's how I see it. So I'm walking in as a human being to help other human beings who are in, a family crisis right now because that is actually what is happening. It is a family, you described it before, that the family structure is changing now. If I work with a couple who have children, I remind them, you are always going to be parents to your children. So you're always going to be a family even if you create another family after this one. This family will always be a family and the question is, what do you want that to look like now and in the future.
1: Now, uh, do you find that, are, are people able to take up your question? Because I mean, my experience that when you go through a breakup, you can't see straight, much less, you know, to engage in that question of what do you want your life, your future to look <laughs> like. <laughs>
2: Right. Well, one of the things when I do my consultation where I describe the process, the work that we're going to be doing together, what we will be accomplishing, and things like that, um, as I go through the explanation, especially when I'm working with couples with children, I, I, I always say the following, that to me, the children are the unwitting participants in the room. While they are not there... All of the decisions that you as parents are going to be making now with each other is going to impact them. And parents always agree that they want what's best for their children. They may not always agree on the details of what that looks like exactly at the beginning, but they all agree that they don't want the children to be in the middle of it. They don't want the children to suffer as a result of what's going on. And they really do want the children to get through the process with them with the family intact as much as humanly possible. So they will always agree with that part, Mm -hmm. how we get there and what that's going to look like is the work that we do in the mediation process. And I would say that the people who come to mediation self-select. They know that they're coming to a mediator as opposed to attorneys, which is the litigated process, because they want to do two things. They want to do things as amicably as they possibly can and in the best interest of their children and they Mm -hmm. want to do things as cost effectively as they can and I would Mm -hmm. add a third component to that which is always in the back of my mind which is that it is emotionally and spiritually a much better process because they're going to be in communication with each other, they're not speaking through respective lawyers because at the end of the day they have to talk to each other about what the parenting plan is going to look like, when they're picking the kids up, what the holidays are going to look like. So although they may feel that hiding behind the skirts of their attorneys is the best way to go, once the attorneys are out of the picture, they still have to communicate with each other. So I really work on effective communication in the mediation process with them. So I know when they walk in that they are completely overwhelmed. You talked about fear. They're afraid of a million things right now. What is it going to look like? How am I financially going to be able to support myself? What's going to happen with the kids? Do I have to sell the house? Am I going to have to move? Do I have to pack up the house? Um, you know, we're all, you know, as humans, we're prediction machines, right? We always want to know what's going to happen. Right. And when they walk into my office, they don't know what's going to happen. They're hoping that I'm going to help them figure that out. And, of course, I'm going to help them figure that out. So they walk in totally overwhelmed. So my first order of business is to have them take a deep breath and relax a little bit and know that everything that's important to them will be addressed and resolved, ultimately.
1: The, so you said that you help them with the answers. Say more about the process. I don't think that you mean you give them the answers of what they should do, right? It's more complicated. It's more subtle than that. You lead it's them a lot the more answer. subtle than that. Right. First so say a little all, bit about that process.
2: I, I, yeah, I kind of tease my couples and I say the following. My job as a mediator is, I see it, in, is in a twofold way. One is to facilitate the conversation, to facilitate the voluntary agreements that the two of you are going to make with each other. And I also want to make sure that as you're making these decisions together, that you're making informed decisions as well. I don't have a judgment about the decisions that they choose to make, but I do want to make sure that they have all the information that they need to have in order to be able to look at everything in a 360-degree view to the degree that that's possible so that they can make a good decision ultimately for themselves, and what I tease them about is the following, when I tell them that you are going to be the ones making the decisions here, not me, and I tell them the reason that that's important is because, number one, I don't think anybody does what somebody tells them to do anyway. You know, when somebody <laughs> tells you, right, you know what you should do, whoever listens to somebody telling them what they should do, it you has know, to be their idea. It, it took me like the first 10 years of my
1: work to realize people come in and they say, you know, I want I need to change my life. And then they spend the following year not changing their lives. So you're so right. Exactly.
2: <laughs> And as so, we know, change is very difficult. It has to be done in incre- incremental steps. First, you have to start with the intention that you want to change something. And then the action comes as a result of that intention. And you can't also, do it the other what way. About,
1: Ida, what about the courage to go through the change? Do you see that as as, um, as lacking or as a, 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 a a thing where you need to lend them support?
2: Well, it does take a lot of courage to do what they're about to do. And it's interesting that you should say that because you know, Leanne, that I blog uh, for my website and I write two articles a month. And my November, and actually I'm only doing one for November, and I'm calling it a Thanksgiving thank you to my clients. And one of the things that I've said in that, that article is that I'm thanking them for the courage For teaching me the courage that it takes to step into my office, sit down with each other, you know, put 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 the weapons down, you know, the emotional weapons down and work together for the betterment of each other and for the family. It takes a lot of courage to do that. And I see my role as a mediator in supporting uh, the, supporting that courage. Um, as I said before, people come to mediation self-select. They know, they know what the litigation process looks like. They know that it can be very ugly. It's very time-consuming and extremely expensive. So a lot of them will come to mediation, even though they may be skeptical about being able to work together, but some of them simply do not have the money to litigate. So mm-hmm. they'll come sometimes, I'm not going to say unwitting, uh, unwillingly to the mediation table, but but I would say maybe skeptically. But, ultimately they're won over because they realize, and many of them will say this to me at the end, I didn't, this was so much better than I ever thought was possible. Or I'm so glad that we did it this way because we're in a much better place. We're talking mm-hmm. to each other in a better way, in a more civil way. I get. I heard what she, I heard her for the first time in a mm-hmm. way that I never heard her before. And that mm-hmm. is so empowering.
1: Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That is life-saving to be able to hear the, op- the other person, right? The person that you view mm-hmm. in that moment as your mortal enemy. That makes right. a difference, right? Between destruction right. and, and, um, and, and the light. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's right. Just, we, we're coming up uh, um, against our first commercial break. So let's. Um, this is a good place to break for a couple of minutes. And when we come back, I really want to ask you, Ada, about this notion of helping people hear each other and talk to each other, because that is so Mm -hmm. important, not just in the divorce mediation process, but Mm -hmm. but in life, (laughs) in life Mm -hmm. in general. So uh, we'll be right back, folks, after a few minutes.
0: The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station voiceamerica.com Do you ever feel that you need to make changes but don't know how? Ever wish for someone who can help you find true purpose and make new choices? Dr. Nguyen is this person. Her passion is to help people bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. With Dr. Nguyen, you will enter a conversation that is unlike any other. You will make contact with yourself at a depth you never thought you could. You will give yourself an encounter with new thoughts, deep questions, and a renewed faith in your birthright to live the life you are meant to live. Dr. Nguyen's practice has been available to people from all over the world across cultures and identities she has built it as a lighthouse and a safe haven to give the deep support and clarity so you can fulfill the promise that you once made to yourself to live your purpose whether you are in new york city or anywhere in the world visit her at dr you can also contact her for a free consultation in person or on skype the website again is dr
3: It's time to have a healthier relationship with money. Use it with purpose to create the life you envision. At Thinking Big Financial, your future starts right now. Services include financial planning and investment management. It's not just about the numbers. It's about how they fit into your life. Reach out to Jim to start thinking big about your own financial life. Because isn't it time? For more information, visit ThinkingBigFinancial.com. That's ThinkingBigFinancial.com. Do you think about what you really want? Are you looking to change or perfect your environment, your value, your life? We can help. Tune in to Everyday News with the Blantons. Hosted by husband and wife team Mark and Dr. Latasha Blanton, our program will help you find the answers to make the changes in your life with inspiring guests that can help you find your sense of place in the world and how you view it. Listen live every Monday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel.
0: News. News. News, opinion. News. opinion. Hear, 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 hear your voice hear, hear, hear counts. Hear, hear. Call toll-free
3: 1-866-472-5787, 1-866-472-5787, voiceamerica.com.
0: You are listening to On Living, to reach the program today, please call 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. You may also send an email to ldnewin.phd at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Leanne Nguyen.
1: Okay, welcome back. Ada, so before we broke for the commercial break, uh, you said basically that the thing that your clients appreciate the most is the ability, right, to hear each other mm-hmm. and then to work together. Now, it's deceptively right. simple. This, this notion of being able to hear each other. <laughs> <laughs> well you know it's because like look at what's going on right in a country right now yeah it's just, it's just we, yeah. we're just completely incapable of hearing each other right blue red republican mm-hmm. Democrats whatever but I noticed also that in our personal private lives that is such uh, a challenge uh we take for granted that that is the basic task so I want to bring you to share with with us uh, uh, about this process uh, of being able to hear each other? Or rather, you know, what, what stands in the way, right, when they start out in your office unable to hear each other? What is the obstacle there?
2: So the way I see it is this, and, th- I, and think about it in terms of any relationship that we have with the people in our lives, whether it's a husband and wife, family members, coworkers, friends, wherever and with whomever after you've been in a relationship with somebody for a while, you get to know the way they think, what their attitude, their philosophy is. You've heard it. So you, what happens after a while, I think, is that you, you, you kind of stop hearing what they're saying because you are, you think you already know it. And mm-hmm. I call that an already always listening. You already always know what they're saying. You already always know what they're thinking about what they're saying. You've heard it, been there, done that. So in your mm-hmm. mind, you kind of, you, 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 you're listening through the veil of what you think you already know about what they're about to say. Mm-hmm. And I think this is true for the most part with all of us. I, you know, there are times I'm talking to my husband. He says, "Let me finish," and this is <laughs> after 15 years of mediating.
3: And right. I said, I already
2: know." He said, "Let me finish because no, I have something else that I want to say." So the thing is to allow for not only the person to have their say, but to shut your brain off, your mind off, uh, that filter that we're listening to them through and really mm-hmm. hear it and not necessarily have to say anything when they finish speaking, but mm-hmm. allow what they've said to sink in. And I mm-hmm. think a lot of the times, one of the reasons that we don't do that is because we feel a f- defend we feel defensive about what they're saying we already have our story about how we're going to countermand what they just said mm-hmm. you don't understand you 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 you, you don't understand that's not what i meant when i said that we start getting very defensive when somebody is expressing what's so for them mm-hmm. and the truth is that when somebody tells you what's so for them um, it's not a shame blame and make wrong about you unless you're going to take it that way because you really are guilty of it all right which is when the defensiveness comes up because we have to own our stuff, and most of us don't want to do that because we want to be right about everything, um, but when somebody says what's so for them, um, they're just saying what's so for them, and there's there's no need to really reply to that other than to just get it, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. sometimes in the mediation process, the, that that's one of the most powerful things that happens. Um, mm-hmm. That each person gets to say what is so for them, and it's in that expression when the other when the person is heard, and the other person hears it. Mm-hmm.
1: That you know, uh, yeah, something what, what can move. What, what I'm just suddenly getting, it clicks for me about this notion of talking and listening in that in the moment, you, when you describe it as being defensive and assuming that you already know, it's so much more important to us, or so we are convinced, um, to talk, you know, to put forth our point, to tell our story, right? That is so much more important than getting the other person's story.
2: Mm-hmm. So.
1: I'm just realizing that the trick then is to be able to tune into the value of getting the other person's story, right? Uh, do you need to, like, to get to convince your yeah. clients that there is something in it for you to hear her story? Right. It's not, and, it's and, not, it's you not know, being it, nice, it's not being reasonable, but it serves your purpose to hear the other person.
2: Right. And and it's hard, it, 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 I mean, if it was easy, we would all be doing it. So the analogy that I would give about this is, like I know somebody who loves to give gifts, but is very, very challenged in receiving them. And I said to this person, in the same way that you have so much joy when you give and you see the expression on the person's face when they receive your generosity, when they receive your gift you're robbing them of the same joy when you are awkward in receiving mhm and it's the same thing with the communication you know when when somebody's talking we're already formulating our counter argument, right? That's what we do. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's like when you go to the doctor and the doctor, you know, you, you have a, a bunch of questions when you go to the doctor and then you ask the first question and the doctor says something that just gets you off in your head in a completely different trajectory. You can't hear anything that he or she is saying at that point because you're in your head about what, how they're responding to it. So, right. You know, listening is is is, is, a, is a is a is a very challenging and very difficult skill, and I wish there was some place where they taught it.
1: Yeah. <laughs> All right. <laughs> now, just you know, okay, go, going back to your work, do you, can you tell me, like, what what's the what's the important, the most important thing that you try, or you see people finally able to hear from each other or about each other that that really moves the the process forward that brings them out of the woods like that moment when you I see would, them hearing each other what is the thing that they are finally able to hear that saves them
2: that they were both responsible for the for the for, 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 for what brought them into my office to begin with that it wasn't necessarily one person perpetrating the the situation there's no victim that in, there, in that in every relationship, it, it really does take two to tango. One person is rarely; it happens, but rarely is the complete victim here. Mm-hmm. They both were complicit in creating what 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 had the marriage uh, uh-huh. be breached in some way.
1: Uh huh. Wow. So then, the, the, to to come to come to terms with their responsibility, and then to embrace that.
2: that yeah. I mean, that's not my job to do that, and it, because that—that's more of a therapeutic uh, uh, aspect, and. We don't do therapy and mediation and it's funny because when we do the training for potential mediators, most of the people who do the training either come from a legal background or they come from the therapeutic and social work and psychology background. And when we are talking to the therapists and social workers and, and psychologists, you know, we, the, the, when we do the role plays, like the last, the, 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 the role, the, the people playing the husband and the wife, how do you feel? And we always tell them that's the wrong question. That's a therapy question. How they feel. <laughs> You're not going to hear how they feel is irrelevant to what's happening right now. What do you think about the proposition that was put on the table? And, you know, do we need to negotiate that? And it's a very, very subtle it's, it's a very, very subtle difference. So but sometimes so- they come to that realization that they both were responsible for what happened here. Not always. So if they can't get to that place, at least we have to get to a place of some kind of civility um, and, and an ability to be able to communicate with each other. So as not to, uh, you know, destroy the children's lives that, 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 you know, if it, it, it if we can't get to the first thing, because that, once that happens, everything shifts as a result of that for all the obvious reasons. But if they can't get there, they can at least agree um, that they need to have some kind of civility and respect with each other um, and demonstrate that to their children because the kids are watching.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I do want to emphasize this point about responsibility and we're joking about like who cares a question of how do you feel you know I, again I think that I, I want to emphasize that because too often people just get mired into that thing of how they feel in the me 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 and they forget about the fact that they have to make life decisions that they have mm-hmm. to take responsibility for how they live right, right. and that's and what they are saying and we're
2: making two. Tr- And we're making choices at every moment. Exactly. Right? We're making choices at every moment and to be responsible for those choices and not wake up, you know, six years later. And, you know, it all becomes kind of like a big amorphous mess and you can't distinguish all the little things that happened that got you to where you are right now. Not necessarily you know, in a situation that I'm dealing with in a, in a divorce situation with couples, but just in life in general, because we're talking about what is it to be a human being? Mm -hmm. Um, You know, we, you know, something will happen in our life, right? And, um, you know, we'll kind of maybe poo poo it or we don't want to think about it. or we're in denial about it. We don't want to take our responsibility for how we participated in having that thing occur. And you let things go and you let things go and you let things go. Or so you think you're letting them go until one day it just blows up, and you wonder, how did I get here? But I think if we live a conscious life every moment, and it takes work to do that, but once you do it, to me, the work is in being asleep and then waking up later and then having to clean up the mess. That, Mm -hmm. to me, is more work.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. 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 Right. But... Again, just like with listening and hearing, the trick is in the moment. How do you find? How do you awaken yourself to that responsibility? That's the tricky part.
2: I think I I think it's you have to own your own stuff. And not everybody is willing to take that responsibility on and acknowledge um, their participation in the relationship, in the community, in the world that they live in. It's so easy, or so they think, to point their finger at all those thems out there that are doing it Mm -hmm. to them Mm -hmm. rather than realize that we can change our world uh, by the way we act, the way we speak, the way we operate in the world. We're, I'm responsible for 100% of my universe. I don't blame anybody for anything. If there's any blame to be had, the first question I always ask myself when I find myself in a situation that is not to my liking, if you will, is to mm-hmm. ask myself, what, what participation did I have in creating this situation right now? What is my responsibility mm. here? And if I didn't do it necessarily with something that happened, well, I still have a choice about how I'm going to respond to that. I always mm. have that choice. Yeah. Do you ever have anybody walk out on you because you asked that question? <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't, I, don't ask that, I don't ask that question in the mediation. Oh,
1: okay. Well, what do you ask people to bring them to that point of taking responsibility? How do you help them get there?
2: Well, when they start talking to each other about, you know, so let's say they're talking about what's going on with the pickup and the drop off with the kids, for example, and right. one spouse is chronically late picking the kids up, you know, at, you know, supposed to pick the kids up on Friday at six o'clock and doesn't show up till eight o'clock or doesn't show up at all. Mm-hmm. So I, I ask the question: How do you think the kids are reacting to this? They're they're waiting. F- For you to to come and get them they're looking forward to spending the weekend with you Mm -hmm. so you know when you ask the question and now they have to answer that question not to answer it to me
1: but they have to answer it to
2: themselves
1: Uh uh-huh uh-huh okay yeah well what about people who don't have children what do they need mediation about what do they fight about
2: Sometimes, well, we all, you know, property. They still have to divide assets and and debts. I had a couple Mm -hmm. a number of years ago. I was almost concerned. I didn't know. I didn't even think the mediation would take an hour um, because they were only married for very short period of time, I think three years, Um, they didn't have children together, but they did have a home, and that home was fraught with all kinds of emotional things. It had been the wife's father's home. Uh, When they got married, the the dad was still living with them. They created kind of a mother, you know, an upstairs-downstairs situation. The husband had done a lot of the construction work to make that happen. He had a lot emotionally invested in the home, Mm -hmm. and so that mediation took a little longer than I had originally expected it to be because there were a lot of emotional issues around that home and how they were going to be dividing that asset the, mm-hmm. they had both agreed that the wife was going to continue to live there and buy out his share of the the interest in the uh, equity in the home the question was how were they going to look at the equity so even when I think something's going to be simple um, when they come into the room even couples who walk and say we've worked everything out I know that that is not the case because there are still some questions I need to ask, all those "what if" questions that they mm-hmm. hadn't necessarily thought about. So we still have well, a lot to do of, at the end. What, of the what if?
1: What what is it that, that you need? You urge people to think about in through these "what ifs."
2: Okay, so what if things so go wrong? Talk, well, let's talk about the marital home. Let's use that as an example. So, if I'm working with a couple and they have a home. And they both have both agreed um, that the wife is going to continue to stay in the marital home for some period of time until the youngest child um, starts high school, let's say. Okay, and let's say the the youngest child is 10 years old, so there's some years before that child is going to start high school. They don't want to disrupt what's going on with the school system and the kids with their friends and things like that. So let's say that's the scenario. So here are some of the what-if scenarios that I have to ask. So question number one. First of all, what is that time period by which uh, we want to put a no later than date in the agreement that states that either um, the wife is going to have the right of first refusal to buy out the husband's share if she wants to buy him out. And if she does not or can't, then the husband has the right of second refusal to buy out her share. And if neither one can or wants to, what is the date by which they both agree to put the house up for sale? So we have to talk about a time frame. We can't just leave that open-ended. Because Mm -hmm. if they both own the home together and they're both on the mortgage and the deed together, and the husband is allowing the wife to continue to stay there with the children for some period of time he's still tied to that mortgage and it's mm-hmm. unlikely that he's going to be able to purchase a new home for himself when he's already tied to the mortgage on the marital home so he's got an interest in a time frame by which he can free himself up from that mortgage so that he'll be in a position to be able to purchase something for himself so that's mm-hmm. one what if scenario another no, is like, the following hold on. let's say so, they
1: hold- Hold, hold on, because um, I need to go on a commercial break, but we're going to come back to this. But I just want to say, so, you know, beyond the technical uh, d- details, I think that what you are getting people to do, again, is to think about how to consciously right, step into their future. To Correct. plan, to think about, to consciously ask themselves, what do I want to do? What am I going to do with blah, 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 right? To kind of really pay attention to what they want, what they choose to do. Um, all right. Correct. So let, let the, let, let's go on the second and final commercial break, and we'll be back after a few minutes. Stay tuned.
0: streaming live the leader in internet talk radio VoiceAmerica.com.
3: it's time to have a healthier relationship with money use it with purpose to create the life you envision at thinking big financial your future starts right now services include financial planning and investment management it's not just about the numbers it's about how they fit into your life reach out to jim to start thinking big about your own financial life because isn't it time for more information visit thinkingbigfinancial.com that's thinkingbigfinancial.com
0: do you ever feel that you need to make changes but don't know how ever wish for someone who can help you find true purpose and make new choices Dr. Nguyen is this person. Her passion is to help people bridge the gap between where they are and where they want to be. With Dr. Nguyen, you will enter a conversation that is unlike any other. You will make contact with yourself at a depth you never thought you could. You will give yourself an encounter with new thoughts, deep questions, and a renewed faith in your birthright to live the life you are meant to live. Dr. Nguyen's practice has been available to people from all over the world across cultures and identities she has built it as a lighthouse and a safe haven to give the deep support and clarity so you can fulfill the promise that you once made to yourself to live your purpose whether you are in new york city or anywhere in the world visit her at dr you can also contact her for a free consultation in person or on skype the website again is dr H.com. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio.
3: VoiceAmerica.com
0: You are listening to On Living, to reach the program today, please call 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to ldnewin.phd at gmail.com. Now back to the show. Here again is Dr. Leanne Nguyen.
1: Welcome back, everyone. I'm in conversation today with Ada Haswalker, <coughs> a divorce mediator. Now, if you're tuning in to this episode hoping to find out about divorce mediation, um, I hope that you're not too disappointed (laughs) because that's not really what we're talking about. Ada and I, we're we're after something uh, kind of bigger than that, which is life, No, seriously, mm-hmm. I, I was telling Ada over the break that you know, from my perspective, what she has in her work is really a privileged view into a it's a microcosm of, of human relationships, right? of what people do to each other and for each other. So that's what really we're, that's what I'm after here. So with that in mind, Ada, you know let's get to it. What have you mm-hmm. learned? About human relationships. After all these years of watching people talk to each other and and struggling to hear each other and trying to not tear each other apart, what what's the one thing that you have learned about human relationships that you want to share with us?
2: They're complicated. They're very very complicated. (laughs) No, really, they're complicated. Sometimes I sometimes I say to myself, "I, I I I, you know what? I I thought that I would learn so much. About the nature of relationships, and sometimes the longer I do this work, the more confused I get about it. And I'm being totally honest with you about it. There are, you know, people commit to a marriage. I don't know what they're thinking when they make that commitment, I don't know what they think this commitment actually means. Uh-huh. You know, especially I, so many young people now, you know. I've seen a number of clients who come in who don't want to get married, but they still have a quote-unquote committed relationship, they have children together, they buy property together, but they don't want to, you know, stand in front of family and friends and declare that they are married to each other. So that complicates things for a variety of reasons, because at that point, they don't have the same legal protections as we do when we are legally married to each other. But I don't know what goes on in people's minds, I'm Sometimes couples come into my office and I didn't even know what they saw in each other to begin with, Um, what they thought was going to happen once the wedding was over, the honeymoon was over, and they got back into their real life. And now had to do the work of what it is to be in a relationship. We even know with our friends how challenging friendships can be. Yes. Friends, you know, disappoint you. They 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 hurt your feelings. Um, you know, they're there for you sometimes. They're not there for you sometimes. Do you give up on those friendships or do you hang in there with those friendships? So, you know, it's you know, I am seeing a very circumscribed. Um, view of the world, with couples coming in, having to separate themselves from each other now, emotionally, financially, spiritually, mentally, and yet they still are tied to each other, many of them, because they still have children together. What is that future going to look like? So... I'm serious when I say relationships are complicated. Why do we stay with some relationships, whether it's friendships or jobs, and, and, and others we are, we can easily discard them? Um, it, it's so, it's such an individual personal thing. And I think also it depends on, you know, our backgrounds, our cultural backgrounds, our education, our religious upbringing, um, how we were treated by our parents, what we watch them do, what we learn from them, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Um, And you're bringing two people who are coming in, in my office, with a history and a background that I know nothing about. They may not even know it about each other. And now they're trying to forge a marriage together and then create a family and have children together and move into the future. You know, there's no school where we learn how to do this. And in a way, you know...
1: uh, I mean this is why I just I'm I'm just endlessly fascinated by 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 people and I totally agree with you about the complication like the mystery of the human heart it's it just mm-hmm. <laughs> like there is no app that will ever capture <laughs> that right. but um, about the thing about marriage on the one hand I think that it makes total sense for us to look for that promise right of forever after that security mm-hmm. on the other hand if you know if we come to know anything about how people work it's like the most unnatural thing to go for right that that, right. that promise of the permanence of the unconditional mm. permanent nature of the connection so it's it's, it's crazy in a way and i tell a lot of my clients you know right that you think that getting married is yeah. the final destination no it's only the beginning of <laughs> of a roller coaster I know.
2: of filling you know plowing it's, the field <laughs> Yes. 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 And, you know, think you know, as individuals, you know, we, 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 we evolve and we change, you know, as we, as we grow and we develop and we get older. Um, So, you know, you've got two people now, you know, sometimes you're growing in the same direction, sometimes there's a split. Um, And then there's a coming back together, you know, it's a long, it's a long road. Um, And the question is, I guess. Um, and I know it sounds so ridiculous coming from somebody who's been doing this work for so long, but I guess it's such an individual thing. People ask me all the time if I'm soured on marriage, if I still believe in the institution of marriage as it is. Hmm. I, I, do I do believe in it. I, I, I am married and happily so, and I'm, I like sharing my life. Do we have our arguments and our challenges and all? Yeah, absolutely. That's what life is about, to expect that it's going to be a smooth road. You know, when somebody tells me, I've been married to somebody for 40 years and we've never had an argument. Well, you know, I, I don't, A, I don't believe that. <laughs> mm-hmm. and, and B, you B, would say there's something wrong with you. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. How could that possibly be, Right, <laughs> right. right. <laughs> right. well, We've never you know, heard so a first word with each other. Well, somebody's been putting up with somebody's stuff for a long time, and you know, I don't know how much longer they're going to live. Right? right, right, right. Yeah. Now, let's say that you know, if if you
1: if, if you were officiating, you know, a wedding, <laughs> and you see two people right embarking on this journey, and from your work as a media, you know where it could end and what mm-hmm. it takes. What would you say to, to to people who start out? Like if there's like one clairvoyant, you know, sage advice or, or cautioning or, or something that you can say to them to arm them for the journey, what would you say?
2: First of all, I would want to see them before they were standing in front of me. I, I, I think that the work has to begin before the ceremony. You know, in the Catholic Church, I'm not Catholic. But I know in the Catholic Church they have pre which is mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. they come and meet with the priest, you know, for a number of meetings um, to talk about what, 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 mar- what marriage is, what the commitment actually means, what mm-hmm. they can expect. Uh, you know, again, you know, the good and the bad. I mean, we say in sickness and in health, it, we, you know, it, it really has to be that way, because mm-hmm nothing, you know, no matter how beautiful and wonderful it is at the beginning, things happen. People lose their jobs, there are deaths in the family, there are illnesses, there are all kinds of challenges that we we have in life, and the question is, are you going to be able to meet them together, to be there together, to support each other, and to truly be there, you know, for the good times and the bad times? You know, people throw in the towel very, very quickly, uh, I think um there have been times where i've done a mediation where at the end after they've worked things out so well it's almost too late for the reconciliation but they say you know i wish we had worked on this earlier on we we might not have you know ended up in this place mm-hmm. so I, you know i have i have a family member who's seeing somebody and they're seeing a couple counselor now and they 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 they're dating each other but they've got issues but they love each other they care about each other but they know they've got some things they've got to work out and they're seeing a therapist now which I think is so phenomenal mhm mhm as a, it's a form of
1: inoculation of immunization exactly right. yep, yep. I want yep. just to go back to what we said earlier in, in the hour, you know, about conscious living, you know, and taking responsibility. Um, I realize that you're talking that when most of the time when people get married, it's not a conscious choice; it's a hopeful right. choice. Mm-hmm. Right. It's a hopeful, wishful choice. But the work right. of really sitting down and and bringing to the light all the assumptions and hopes and even fears that they have for this relationship, that work is not really encouraged. Instead, it's like, you know, where are we going to have the wedding? And, uh, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's all I about the party. It it's all
2: about the party.
1: Right, right. And all the wonderful things that would happen, the fairy tale thing. Um, right. And so what, do you have a sense of what makes a family a, 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 a marriage? you see what breaks it apart, right? The, the, the not consciously hearing each other, not working on issues. So from there, do you have sort of a, a, a recipe for, for, for what keeps people together?
2: What I would say, and that's such a profound question, Leanne, what I would say is this, it's so important to like the person, not just love them, You have to like them and love them for all the things they are and all the things they're not. And it's easy to love somebody for the things that they are. It's not so easy to like them and love them for the things that they're not. So when people say, you know, two halves make a whole, or, you know, we each give 50-50. No, I, I don't. I didn't come into my marriage giving 50%. I came in giving 100%, and so did my husband. And I think that's so important to just give yourself and commit to it 100%. Being realistic that life is not easy, and, and because life is not easy, and life is coming at us every moment of the day, um, we... Have to understand that our marriage, our relationship, are also going to be rocked by these things. Also, um, but if you, if your values are the same as your spouse, and I think that's so important, um, and you see eye to eye on the really important things, then you're not going to sweat the small stuff. But it's the big stuff that really matters. So, mm-hmm. with kindness and compassion nice. and empathy. And um, family is important to you. You know, if you're marrying somebody who has a very bad relationship with their family and you're close with yours, you really need to take a look at that. That Mm -hmm. is probably going to be a problem down the road for you in your in your marriage. Mm -hmm. So you have Mm -hmm. to, I think, really be realistic about who this person is that you are marrying. Um, You have to look at their relationships, their friendships, their family, you know, just the way they operate in the world. And you have to look at it very, very realistically with as much of a clear eye as you can and we know that you know the heart loves what the heart loves and we're it, and it is a very emotional and it's full of lust and all of those other wonderful feelings that we have at the beginning but we have to look at the person we have to really look at this human being and ask yourself you know is this somebody i could spend my life with and 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 it's not a cliche it's a very serious important question
1: Right, right. The, the full human being, because that's what you are dealing with. And people forget that. that That is true. Mm-hmm. You know, again, the importance of liking your spouse is very deceptive uh, in its simplicity, you know, but, uh, but I really want to mark this before we end too, because you're saying that what goes into that that thing of liking is is kindness and compassion and 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 empathy and appreciation and i would like to add also gratitude you know mm-hmm. for, for this person because i often tell my patients you know i mean they come in uh, single or also in couples i say to them you know you realize that this person is a stranger to you dna wise there is absolutely mm-hmm. no reason <laughs> Mm That this person has to be in the same house with you and see you every day, right? Let's not forget that. There is no obligation for this person, this human being, to be next to you for like 20, 30, 50 years. So, think about that. Go back to the Mm -hmm. basics, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Well... It's we we are at the end of the hour. I wish that we had more time, uh, but 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 Ada, thank you for the conversation because it sets me on more conversations I can have with myself on this topic of of human relationships. So I'm very grateful uh, for for you to inspire thank me. Thank you. Uh, it, uh,
2: it was wonderful. You. I appreciated. You know, I, I love being in these conversations because they they we have to think about these things. We can't take things for granted. It's 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 so it's such an important conversation. And I I really appreciate the invitation. Yes. So um,
1: to you out there, I I wish you a lot of gratitude and love with whoever it is that uh, you happen to see standing, sitting next to you, having dinner with you over, um, you know, tonight. And uh, most of all, you know, I wish you all the willingness and ability to hear each other. And I will find you again here next Thursday. Take care, everyone. Mm -hmm.
0: Thank you for tuning to On Living, the trauma and beauty of being human. Please join Dr. Leanne Nguyen again next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time and 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. And enjoy being alive.